Welcome to Sunlight Connections, a homeschool podcast. In this podcast, we hope that you get the opportunity to connect with other homeschoolers for encouragement, tips, and fellowship. Like Sunlight's curriculum offerings, we explore homeschooling through the lens of a literature-rich, Christ-centered education. Join us on this adventure. Middle school is a transitional time when your kids have moved beyond the years of early learning and are moving towards greater independence. It's a time when expectations change and you start looking towards the future. If you're wondering how to master middle school, you're in the right place. My name is Sunny. I am a Sunlight mom of two children. My oldest is in middle school currently, but both of my kids have been educated with Sunlight since preschool. And joining me today are Jen and Christy. Jen, do you want to tell us about yourself? Hi, I am um, Jen. I have homeschooled all four of my kids from the beginning. We've used sunlight the whole time. Uh, I have two graduates, one in high school and one just finishing seventh grade. So I've done middle school a couple of times. For sure. Christy, what do you tell us about you? Okay, I'm Christy. Um, This is my 14th year coming up using sunlight. And um, my guys started years ago, my oldest started in first grade, started out with sunlight. That was our first year of homeschooling. And 14 years later, we love it. Um, I have one son who is away in college, and I have two high schoolers and one middle schooler currently this year. Well, perfect. I'm so glad you guys are here. Let's go ahead and kind of jump into this middle school conversation. Um, For people, whether they're new to sunlight or maybe their kids are approaching this age, there's so many levels to choose from, which is great because it gives you a lot of options. But sometimes that can be a little confusing because we don't just have one seventh grade level. Um, So how do you choose what level to put your student in? Um, And what do you do if you want to do, you know, more levels than you have time for? Well, sometimes there are more levels than you have time for. I mean, I planned my oldest, you know, middle school schedule um, around the sunlight offerings then, and now there are more. (laughs) So, you know, it's kind of, do we work in J? Do we not do, you know, what do we do? So, um, I mean, we, the first couple of rounds of middle school, I just did the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. For my last one, I actually rearranged. So we did, um, after we did D and E, we did G and then H and then F for the reason that F requires a lot more writing than the Eastern Hemisphere notebook. Um, And I just knew he was not ready. So two years later, he was totally ready and thought F was fantastic and easy. So, I mean, sometimes you just do the next thing and sometimes you got to tweak. Yeah, I would say um, for, it depends on what you need. If you have, and also if you have other children, if you're combining. So if you need American history, then you have a couple of options. You could um, pair with younger, or if you just want, if you have a child, a single child that Um, is maybe on the younger end in middle school. Um, You can do D plus E, one year of American history. That's a great option for early middle school. Um, And maybe you wanna save that 100 level for um, high school. It's important to know that 100 level is the final American history that Sunlight offers. And so 
you know, if you want that on your high school transcript and you don't plan to do more than a four-year plan, then maybe you want to save that for freshman year. It's a great freshman year subject. And so that's one thing I would say. If you need world history, you have options as well. Um, for middle school, I would say G, um, the first half of um, world history, H, the second half, or W, one year um, of, of world history. And I have done a combination with my four children of a lot of different options, just whatever I needed at the time. Um, combining wasn't was one of the, um, if I needed to combine someone, that was one of the big factors that I used to decide um, what I wanted on the high school transcript. I kind of looked at that and then kind of worked backwards for high school, especially towards the end of middle school. Um, and F or J, those were basically used um, if I had um, time and interest. And so for F, I do think I wanted to get that in with my oldest because I had never done it before. And I loved it so much. And it helped me and him to understand World War II better, understand world history better, to, to really get time in the Eastern Hemisphere. It was really helpful subject-wise. But um, really, for some of my guys, I just couldn't fit F in, and they were okay with that. And so we just moved on to world history or whatever it is they needed. So yeah, lots of lots of factors going on. Yeah, and I think too, uh, paying attention to what your kids are interested in. I know when Level J first came out, my daughter was not middle school age yet and was all excited and, ooh, I can't wait to do that. And in order to do that, we would have had to cut F or do W, the combined world history, to get her there. Well, then as she got a little older and started thinking about it, she's like, I actually think I would like world history better than history of science. And so she elected to do G and H instead. Um, and so yeah, I think looking at the interest of your kids, your interest as well, I have found I like teaching the programs that work chronologically through history better than the ones that jump to the different countries like AF or I assume J. We haven't done that one, so we'll see. Um, so that kind of helped too. But yeah, kind of looking at what your kids need, what you enjoy learning or teaching about um, is a good way to pick that program that you're going to use. Um, let's talk a little bit about the time commitment needed as your kids get a little bit older and the workload. Um, some people think there's a huge step up as you get into these older programs and others it feels a little more transitional. But what would you say is kind of an average amount of time that children are spending in middle school on their schoolwork or, you know, does the workload feel a lot tougher? I didn't find that it was a lot tougher. Um, when I look back now, in retrospect, I can see that middle school was about double the time commitment that we had in the elementary years and about half of the commitment that it was in high school. So, um, you know, more in that three, four hour range. Um, the reading is long. Um, Middle school was when we started to accept the idea that audiobooks were going to be part of our life. Um, you know, in elementary school, I was like gung ho, I'll read it, I'll read it all, it's fine, I can do it. And then middle school came along and I was like, okay, I need help. <laughs> we have to get somebody else to read some of this. I can listen a lot longer than I can read aloud, especially when I had other programs going with younger ones. Um, the, some of the time commitment things aren't in the HBL. The math gets longer. Like one math assignment is much longer than it was in third grade. Um, 
the science, the reading gets longer. Of course, science experiments get more complicated. Um, and the writing, instead of like write a paragraph, it's now write an essay. And so there are some things that take longer. Um, of course, middle school was when things like spelling and handwriting dropped off for us. And so it was balance. Um, and every kid is different. I had one that still needed spelling in middle school and three that didn't. So your mileage may vary. Yes. I would say um, getting an agenda or a schedule um, for especially my most organized um, guys that helps them and they love it. They ask for one every year. They ask for something, you know, for a schedule to write their, you know, daily goals down and to check them off. They like that. I have one who's who I um, asked for one. I bought him one. He, he never really used it that much, honestly. So I would just explore that and see if that helps. But it can really be a motivation for some students. Um, my other son did his work. He just didn't want he didn't care about, you know, organizing it or checking it off. Yeah. Some people are just not box checkers. Right. That's right. That's right. And um, I think it's good to acknowledge even to your students that as they are starting, sometimes you can feel like things are unfair in middle school and it, the world is just against you and your math is harder and your science is harder and all of this. So I think it's good to acknowledge the changes and the difficulty and the level and that it, and that it is a little more difficult and then that you're altering and you're dropping some other things, um, like Jen mentioned from um, language arts, some of your language arts elements, you know, just communicate that so that they know that they do in fact have some extra time that they weren't doing in, that they're not doing some things they were doing in elementary school. Um, handwriting went away completely until I had someone and their, um, you know, I, their work became illegible. And then I would bring it back for weeks at a time or months at a time, whatever was necessary to get it legible again. And um, so, you know, handwriting, having that separate vocabulary, if you've been doing wordly wise, mm -hmm. um, towards the end of middle school, um, I did, I did do grammar through at least seventh grade and eighth grade, you know, on the fence do they still need it um you know that's totally up to you there's already language arts going on in your sunlight curriculum and whether you need that extra or not is and it's I would say that's an individual thing so um so yeah there are some things you're dropping to provide some more time for the you know difficulty of the math and science and those and the writing assignments so it balances yeah, absolutely. And I think if you haven't started transitioning your, transitioning your kids to some level of independent work, um, no matter how big or small that is, it's helpful to start doing that in fourth or fifth grade with the things that they can do independently. Mm -hmm. So, you know, maybe explain their math assignment and then have them go work on it. Or when they are still doing spelling or handwriting or things like that, have them go work on it. That way you can start to turn things over in middle school. Um, I know my daughter is an avid reader and she thought I was reading the read alouds too slowly. And so there were times she was like, can I just read that one? And, you know, I, I just want to read it to myself. You're taking too long. Or if I got back like down. Like an oldest child. <laughs> yes. Yes. Typical firstborn. Right. And so um, for a while I did hand over some of her read alouds to her. Uh, if she was excited to read them. And it's funny because in her last year of middle school, she came back and said, well, this is our last year that we have assigned read alouds. 
can you read them to me again? So um, yeah, they may come back on that, but a lot of the other work she now does very independently and looks at her own IG and goes through and what do I need to learn? And, you know, kind of preparing those kids with that expectation of, you know, I'm going to check in with you at the end of the day. I want you to be able to tell me what you read in history or your essay needs to be done. Um, you know, your memory verse memorized by Friday, whatever it is that you're turning over to them. And then I find, yeah, that the older they get, the easier that stuff becomes. And it, it may be more work for them, but it feels like a lot less work for you as the parent than those early elementary years when they're still learning everything. <laughs> It, so, becomes, oh, it becomes more like coaching and guiding than, than the face-to-face -face teaching that it was in the little years. Um, I had three more kids after my oldest. And so out of hardcore necessity, I trained them to be independent as elementary school went on, just because that was what needed to happen. Um, so by middle school, my oldest particularly, because oldest, was doing a lot of the reading by herself. And um, it's funny because in high school, I went back to reading a few of the literature books to her aloud just for the joy of it. She didn't need me to. It was just things that I didn't want to miss that I wanted to be able to talk to her about as we went. Um, not because I thought she wouldn't understand, just for the joy of doing it together. And so after that, like middle school break where she was like, mom, you're busy, you're tired, just give it to me. Um, <laughs> it was kind of fun to go back to, you know, reading some of it together. Yeah. Like, thinking about what can they do on their own and what should they do on their own? I would say I've talked to the parents that do this differently and some that say, why are you checking everyone's map? They can do that. And for me, I just, I do check math and my guys are all, none of them have had any trouble in math. They are, math is their, you know, even when they're better, like when they enjoy something more, they're all very great at math. And I think that there is, I, th I think that it was a good thing that I checked the math because it's too tempting for a little time. If I'm away for the week, sometimes I've let them check their own math or I've switched and let an older brother check a younger brother's math. That can be helpful. You can figure that out. But I do think that it, it would be easy just to kind of look and say, okay, well, this is what you do. And then you, and then you do the math. So I, that's something that I just preferred to do and I'm glad I did it. And it's really rewarding now, whenever my son's going to do a dual enrollment course in the fall, or he's going to do a co-op class and then a dual enrollment class. And so it's really nice when they roll off because it, creates all this extra time. So that's just something that I particularly decided I wanted to do. And I check science tests and, and that type of thing. Um, and read, reading aloud, that is something that I, they could do all on their own. And my oldest did exactly what you were talking about, Sunny. And I convinced him that it is good for your brain to have some read aloud. And so not just be, I really do enjoy it. And I, like Jen said, I wanted to enjoy it with them, but also if you can just explain to them that it is good for your brain to listen to a read aloud. Some adults can't listen to an audible uh, read aloud. And it's because your brain is, and, and everything's distracting us in the world. So how wonderful for us to have something that, that can help us to listen better. Mm -hmm. I think it's, I think it's still valuable even when they're in middle school and they could totally do it on their own. 
Yeah. Well, and Christy, I did the same thing you did with like checking work, even if they could do it independently. I checked work and I realized quickly that it wasn't a math issue or a science issue. It was a character issue and an accountability issue. Mm -hmm. And, um, I, you know, I, it became important to me to have kids who were willing to be accountable. Because if you're used to being accountable for your math, then being accountable for the rest of your behavior comes a little bit more easily, um, at least in our house where, you know, I was going to find out what you did while I was not looking. And that's right. not a bad way for a middle schooler to be, just saying. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, and I think it's good for teaching them how to manage their time as well, mm -hmm. which are skills that they need as an adult, right? If, if I come in and I say, okay, I'm here, to see what you've done and my daughter hasn't done that work yet then it's oh i'm not ready you know and now <laughs> now you're interfering with my time and that could be a detriment to you later in life um so yeah i think that is important when we say that we're you transition those kids to more independence we're not saying just okay you're on your own now right. uh, so you have to kind of figure sure. out in your home what that looks like so do you check in with them daily do you check in with them at the end of the week do you have them present something to you i know when when my daughter was doing her own read alouds a lot of times we would do a kind of book club style where we both would read it separately and then have a conversation together mm -hmm. about it and so that way we both were on the same page um, and then along the lines of that time management, because we usually check in with each other every two to four days is kind of what we do. Um, so if she wants to read at night before she goes to bed, a lot of times she will take her school books to bed with her and then she'll read while she's lying in bed, which she prefers over, oh, it's noon, I'd rather be outside or doing something, you know, instead of sitting here doing my schoolwork. So she kind of breaks up her time that way. What are some other ideas as far as allowing your kids that responsibility of, you know, managing their time, doing it independently, but also making sure they are accountable to you? Well, respecting who's a morning person and who's not a morning person, I think is huge. Um, Sunny, I know you're like me. You're not a morning person. Am I right? Uh -huh. um, <laughs> I, I have a friend with five homeschooling sunlight kids and one of them is a morning person and before mama even makes it down the stairs that kid is like wrapping up and it's like mom I have a question I'm trying to do this math and her mom is like oh my gosh it's like 6 45 can we just get to the tea before we get to the math but and then the other kids like are later in the day I think that's a big one I I don't really math in the morning I just I, you know like let me do my stuff. I'm going to get to you about mid morning. We're going to start. It's going to be great. Um, equally, you know, I've had kids on my bed at 1030 at night going, okay, so I'm doing Eastern hemisphere. And I'm like, are you even for real? Because now it's bedtime. But you know, when your teenagers want to talk to you, you talk to them. Um, the other thing that, that we learned about middle school time management is to work backward. So like if you have soccer at five o'clock and you know you're going to be just zonked out tired after that, um, then let's work backwards. So by three o'clock, what do you need to be doing? And by one o'clock, what do you need to be doing? Which means you need to start by what time? Um, and that teaches the kids to manage their time, to do that count. 
um, better than just saying, now you have to do this and you have to do that. But like leading them to the information step by step by step, um, I felt like really served my kids well. Yeah, and as far as accountability goes, I have had to, um, you know, just kind of have a direct conversation about things at times and just say, okay, this has to be accomplished. And here's where we need to be by a certain point. So just defining the parameters and, um, you know, yes, we can have some flexibility in how we get there, but if you're not um, making progress toward where we need to be and it becomes impossible to get where we need to be, then I can't let you get, I can't let you do that to yourself to where, you know, you don't want to, you know, stay up around the, around the clock and work, for, you know, you can't do, there's just, there comes a point where you can't get it in before the end of the year, unless you you're accomplishing things along the way and week to week kind of getting those goals met. And if you didn't finish something this week or today, then it goes first before you do anything else, regardless of what your preferences are and regardless of what time you'd like to wake up, you know, mm -hmm. then there comes a time where if you're not do, I'll give you the flexibility for that. But if it's not getting done, then we have to, then we have to change things. So um, I think that that happens sometimes in middle school too. <laughs> oh yeah. And I feel like looking at that annual calendar way from the beginning um, mm -hmm. has served my middle schoolers really well. Um, I travel a lot for work in the spring. And so we need to like, we have to be at week 18 by Christmas or else like must happen um, because once January hits, my schedule is crazy. The dad's schedule is crazy. You know, there's extended family stuff. There's work travel, there's trips, there's all these things. And so like right now, um, we are wrapping it up this week and next week, which is the way we need it to be because our summer schedule completely shifts and that's going to happen starting Memorial day. And so I've got these last two weeks to get all this stuff in, but I tell you what, we have been checking how many weeks we have for the whole year. So we're just about done. Um, and, you know, and now I've got a middle schooler who's like, okay, listen, we have three days left of this. We have 12. I kid you not, guys, 12 math problems left in the book. Mm -hmm. That was after today, we have 12 problems left. Hallelujah. But like, we have four days of this and we have like six chapters of that and only a couple of things left. And he is so excited because we are all counting because that's how we manage our year is by constantly knowing where we are. Yeah. Yeah. It gets exciting when you get to the end and you start eliminating things and then you can speed up in other areas. It, oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's what we like to do. We like to have a big celebration at the end of the year. So yeah, about five weeks before that, it's like countdown. Of year <laughs> yeah. Ultimately, with middle schoolers, you're trying to prepare them for high school. And I think oftentimes, if you're homeschooling in middle school, you've realized at this point that you probably can keep going into high school. So what are some things, you know, I feel like a sixth grader and an eighth grader are so very different in terms of maturity and what their future goals are and all of that. What are the things that you really should focus on in middle school to make sure they're ready for high school? And then how do you really make sure that they're learning enough that when high school comes along, they are ready for that? I try. Well, my, oh, go ahead, Christy. Okay. 
I was just going to say, I'm thinking of subject to subject, there's a little, you know, difference. Um, I try to get a sense. I don't want to make one thing. One time I explained to my son, you completely have the ability to do these levels in math. I don't know in for high school. I don't know what you're going to be interested in. I don't know what you're going to, you know, for certain, I know some things you're interested in, but I don't know for certain what you're going to do in college. So the thing we don't want to do is eliminate some possibilities. So I kind of explain, you know, here's math things that we, you know, the, the level in math that you need to have finished. Now, my oldest son wanted to major in biology in high school, and he already, I mean, in, in college, and so he already knew that in middle school, actually. Um, sometimes people don't know, and so, and he still is on the same track he was on back, back at that time, and that may change for people, I understand, but if you can explain to them that you don't want to eliminate possibilities um, by what you take in high school. And so you want to be ready for whatever your goal is. And it's just going to be so different. Um, it's kind of hard to say in a venue like this, you know, uh, what exactly you need, but it just, just look at what you need in high school for that four-year plan and then work backwards for middle school. And that's going to be your best thing. Um, I'm thinking specifically of math, science, the same thing. Um, we were talking this weekend in the booth at Sunlight about um, what lab sciences um, you're taking. You know, do you take physical science for middle school? Most people do. Or do you, you know, is it, do some students take it in high school? Yes, some do. And so, you know, what, but what, it depends on goals again, what, you know, what goals people have. So, um, you know, I would just say, look at, look at it, start looking, especially towards the end of middle school at that four-year plan. And that helps you just working backwards. Mm -hmm. And then um, as far as requirements go for, for, for language arts, you know, for your writing, you know, um, really focusing on them being able um, to do the research, you know, pay attention. If you have kind of glossed over um, what's in the in your instructor's guide at any point, not that any of us have ever done that, but, <laughs> you know, um, making sure, you know, just looking through the steps of the research and, and are they comfortable with that? Have they done that? Do they need more practice with it? You know, that type of thing, I would say. Yeah, um, and, you know, I always remind people Every state is different. Every college is different. The military is different. NCAA has different requirements for high school. And so whatever you think your plan is going to be, set your kid up so that they can meet whatever those requirements are to do whatever they want to do in high school. So know what your state requires. If you're interested in the military, know what they require in high school so that you can efficiently get it all done. Um, and, and of course, every state is different. So that's super fun too. Um, for me, like with my oldest, I worried about this a lot. How do I make sure she's ready for high school? And I realized that, I mean, of course, like Christy said, every kid is different. So some of them are doing, you know, algebra going into high school. Some of them are doing geometry or algebra two going into high school. Every, you know, that's fine. But I wanted to make sure that my kids had mastered all of the arithmetic years of math. So, you know, add, subtract, multiply, divide, um, working with exponents, um, fractions, all the fraction work, all the decimal work, all of that stuff. So that when they hit the algebra years, 
they were prepared and they weren't going to struggle in algebra because of those lower skills that they didn't have. I wanted to make sure that they were very, very comfortable with the basics of world history and American history and any map they put in front of them. So if I put a map of the world in front of you, I want you to have a real good understanding of what you're looking at. Ditto a map of your country. Um, ditto a map of, you know, London or your city or Abu Dhabi. Like I want you to be able to be able to interpret what is going on on any map. And I feel like sunlight is so good with that because we're always pulling out a map every year. We're pulling out a map for everything. And so by the time they get to high school, it's super easy. But I really wanted that kind of literacy going on. Um, I wanted to feel like I had hit everything in science. We had talked biology. We had talked electricity and physics. We had talked, you know, chemistry and chemical reactions, that they knew basic geology, that they had kind of, you know, we'd done nutrition and anatomy and all of those things on the elementary level by the time middle school is over. So like in my state, physical science is a standard ninth grade thing. They call it earth science, but it's really the same. That was new to me, but okay. So I didn't really worry about that um, in middle school. So we did like some of the extra, you know, we we're talking about fitting it all in. So we did some of the extra sunlight science that wasn't like, okay, and now we must do this progression. So that was pretty cool. Um, also, I felt like, um, what was the other thing? Oh, writing. So I wanted my kids to be able to, you know, knock out a five paragraph essay on whatever by the end of middle school. It didn't have to be, you know, like Shakespeare or Hemingway, but it did have to be complete. It did have to be in order. It did have to be like spelled, um, you know, with like good grammar, capitalize the right things. Don't capitalize the wrong things. Why is that a bigger struggle than what to capitalize? Do your people like randomly capitalize like every other T? <laughs> Why do children do this? Was it just mine? Um, but so like I just went through kind of subject by subject and said, all right, like what do we need to have really conquered to set them up for high school? And I realized it wasn't very like hugely stringent, you know, highfalutin goals, but there were definitely things that I was like, we cannot do high school until you have really conquered this stuff. And, um, you know, so far so good. Yeah, I think that's true. And you guys both kind of touched a little bit on those academics too, of like, what do you need to know? Mm -hmm. um, and I know language arts is something oftentimes people have a lot of questions about, right? Because in elementary school, you're trying to teach those kids how to write, like it's very basic. Um, but then you have essays, you have persuasive writing, you have research papers and those types of things as the kids get older. So how is middle school language arts maybe um, more challenging or how do you modify your expectations as far as like what your child is capable of? Because um, obviously there's different levels, you know, within kids too of how they write or the types of things they're good at. Um, and so how are you as the parent able to kind of coach them and train them on that path to help them become solid writers and, and have all the writing skills they need as they get older? I think in middle school, I started using um, my my pen more. Maybe it wasn't red. It might be purple or blue or something. <laughs> it didn't have to be a red pen. And 
I remember my um, high school teacher bleeding all over my, you know, it looked like something had died when she finished our papers. And you could think you had, okay, this time I'm so ready for her. And still she would, whoo, you know, like the, it would be everywhere. And um, so I didn't do that in the elementary years. You know, I might cover um, the things that we, you know, sunlight, the, the little checklist, um, what do you call them? The rubrics. rubrics. That's the word I'm going for. Yes. Um, so I would do those things and maybe I would cover it with them then, or maybe I would work it in somewhere else, you know, where, you know, if, if they were consistently not capitalizing or, or some of those things, but we did start working more on mechanics, um, and just, just nailing those things down. And, um, but the, the guide, you know, I think it does a good job of gradually moving, up the what the instructor's guide requires and the type and kind of making that um, change from just basic um, writing into um, analysis, um, literary analysis, where's the plot, where's the, you know, falling action, the rising action, you know, all of those, you know, um, really critical thinking about what you're reading there. It does a great job, Sunlight uh, Language Arts does, I would say. Yeah, I agree. I know I consider myself more of a proofreader and scientific writer in that I can give you facts. I can tell you if your grammar is wrong. I am not a creative fun writer by nature, you know, myself, but those sunlight rubrics, like you said, Christy, have helped so much in figuring out, okay, have I gone over every type of writing? Have mm -hmm. we talked about how to do these things? Things like yep. research papers, I can write them, but I never liked doing research myself. And I felt like it made it very simple and easy for my daughter to understand, okay, here's how we get our sources. Here's how we record them. Um, and so it was way less intensive on me than I thought it would be. Um, and really now as she's gotten older, I see there, there's not a lot of gaps as far as, oh, we totally forgot how to do this or that or whatever, you know, it's, she's done it all. And while she's better at her own types of writing, just like I am, you know, she at least has the tools needed for, you know, more challenging assignments and oh, go ahead. Were you going to say something? I was going to say one, um, sunlight specific, um, language art specific tip, um, that really helps, I think, um, that I've done year to year is um, going to the back of your book and pulling out your 36 weeks, um, your scope and sequence. I love that. Maybe it's the former teacher in me, the former you know classroom teacher in me, but I love the organization of that. And I pull it out and I put it in a clear um, folder in the front of my guide. And um, I use that thing all the time as a reference. And so uh, even time management of when we're gonna have a research paper that's gonna require some outside of our home type of library research, internet research, something that's gonna require a little more of my time to be sure you know, um, that I have that kind of blocked off. And, and also to reinforce whatever we're learning about in language arts, that, mm -hmm. that helps me to have, and just to be sure that I'm covering all of the uh, types of writing and, um, you know, getting in what the practice that they need to get that just pulling that forward and having it front and center helps me um, all for every level of language arts for science for sunlight. So just a little sunlight specific tip. 
Yeah, and I don't remember the exact levels, but I feel like when your child is first learning, like a research paper, for instance, the IG really holds their hand as far as this week, we're mm -hmm. going to get our note cards. This week, we're going to do this. And then within a couple of years, it's like your paper will be due in three weeks. And so then they're kind of on their own. So yeah, it does feel very gradual. It's not like you go from the child just learned how to spell to now they need to be Hemingway, like you said, Jen. Yeah. So <laughs> let's talk a little bit uh, while we're on the academic subject about math. Sunlight carries a bunch of math programs and some of them only go up through sixth grade. So if you are not using a program that's a K through 12 math program, initially about middle school, you're gonna have to switch. We had to do that in our home. So what do you do if you're trying to figure out you know, well, what do I go to? Which math program is gonna be similar to what they did in elementary school or making sure that's a smooth transition, you know, as you start to get into that more challenging math. I mean, we, I was lucky enough to find Matthew C like at the very beginning of my homeschool journey. So we just kind of used that, but we did hit a couple of walls and I needed something supplemental. And I will say wh what I ended up wanting was not something similar to what we had been doing. Um, and that like pre-algebra level that, you know, pre-algebra, algebra, I think is a great time to really evaluate um, what your child needs now, because the math that you may have picked, you know, six, seven years ago, may that style may not still be the same thing they need now that they're at a different level of math a different developmental level and you've gotten to know each other and your school tendencies so much better that um, I, I don't know that finding something similar would actually be on my agenda. I would, I would be thinking more about like, what are our choices and which one is going to serve us best right where we are. Mm -hmm. A big important thing we always say repeatedly about math also is when you're switching, always do a placement test. Hugely, hugely important because anyone we talk to that is having trouble with the, you know, this is too easy, this is too hard, that kind of thing. Did you do a placement test? And eh, I didn't really think I kind of knew where they were, you know. And so it, it really is helpful to do the placement test and it, it will serve you well, especially as you move between curriculum options. And we didn't have um, math, you see, Sunlight didn't um, offer that when we started. So we did start off with a, with another um, math um, program. And we, we did um, change um, to Saxon, which is what um, one of the K-12 options. And, but we did not do that until the middle school years. And so um, it was really important for us to do the, the placement test and find out exactly where they were. And so, um, and Matthew C and um, Saxon differ in that. Um, I think, you know, Matthew C is a, a mastery based um, and like horizons, that is that spiral method where you have the concepts that come around and then come around again, you know, um, Saxon is similar to that. So if that helps you kind of know the difference between the, the, the two. And um, I will say that my son, we used a different program that Sunlight doesn't offer um, anymore. They did at one time just for a brief time. And um, my son did that program for a year and he came and he said it had fewer lessons for the year and it had uh, fewer uh, all around, you know, fewer lessons per day. I mean, fewer problems per day and all that kind of thing. He said, while this was nice, 
I really want to go back to Saxon. He asked to go back to Saxon. And so he said, I really just think it challenges me more. And so um, I've talked to people who used that curriculum and loved it and their kids went on and excelled and did great. And so there's nothing bad about, um, you know, that curriculum. But for my son, he had an input in his math um, choice for high school. So maybe maybe your kids will too as well. And they'll, you know, I kind of help you make that decision about which one is going to be best for them. And the catalog does a really good job of, and, and the website, um, comparing the different math options to consider all of the different, what the strengths of each program, the, you know, the perceived weaknesses or the, you know, potential weaknesses for each program, I would say. Um, it does a good job of, of comparing those for choices. Well, and I think math is a really good place to know yourself and your mm -hmm. student as well. Mm -hmm. um, for me, I took a lot of advanced math in school, but in my career, I've never really used much beyond a like sixth or seventh grade math level. So I was very worried about, I don't remember any of that math. How am I going to explain this to my child. And so for us having the video instruction and answer keys that really don't just give you the answer, but show you how to work out the problem has been phenomenal because there are a lot of things that I realized I have forgotten. And, but then when I look at it and the answer key, I'm like, oh yeah, I remember this. And it makes <laughs> right. it so much easier to yep. explain that. Um, or if my daughter's struggling to understand if she can go watch the DVD or the download, you know, of teacher Steve, she uses math, you see, teaching her that lesson, she's able to understand it better from him than me yeah. anyway. So I think that's something really important. Uh, yeah, when you're thinking about math is what do you remember? How good are you at math? What can you actually teach if your student is struggling? Yeah. yeah. And along those lines, I want to say um, so many people do not know about this. And I don't know why we don't highlight it more because um, for, for Saxon uh, math, there are teaching DVDs, like the dive CDs that are available. So you watch the lesson, you do the lesson, and then um, you, know, the, you have the answer key for checking, but there's also a second product of videos. You have the dive CDs that um, are just to watch the teacher. And then with the, um, the, the Saxon teacher are the videos that it has an ex excellent um, index and any problem in the entire book, every problem is worked at a board by a teacher. And I love that um, so that you, cause I remember this from high school, one of my worst, the things I hated in advanced math and, and algebra too, especially um, was that I could get the, the examples, I could do them all day, but then I didn't get the homework and I didn't understand it. And so this gave you that exact thing worked out fully. And so I love that. Um, we, we keep it on the shelf as insurance. And, um, you know, so if you're on, you know, lesson 55, problem 10, and that's where you get stuck for the first time, you pull that off, you pop it in, and you both can watch it if you can't remember something. And that's worth its weight in gold. It's not inexpensive, I don't think, but it was it was very helpful to me um, once I got to a certain level because there's a, a, it's behind the preschool years, it's behind the baby years, you know, it's pretty far back there. So that was helpful. You know, six to the zero power is one. That doesn't make sense to me until it's explained again, you know, so. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Now, I want to segue from the, the um, academic and, you know, the logistics of homeschooling middle schoolers 
just sometimes what can be the hardest or scariest thing about homeschooling middle schoolers. And that is as they get older, they do want to be more independent. You now might be dealing with different behavioral issues, attitudes, you know, as they're trying to push against you a little bit more. Um, I know my daughter was extremely compliant in elementary school and then it was like overnight, nope, I wanna do things my way. Um, and so we've had to learn, you know, what our relationship is now that she's a little bit older. You also have some of the socialization issues of now, you know, there, I feel like in our home anyway, she really needs to be with her friends and, and thrives when she has those relationships, you know, and, and gets to see people. And um, so what are some issues like that behavioral, social, otherwise that you run into with middle schoolers and how do you find it the best to handle them? I mean, are there any behavioral issues middle schoolers won't throw at you? I think, I don't know. I mean, Chrissy has as many kids as I do. I think pretty much we've seen it all, right? Everything from laziness and procrastination to just attitude, just, you know, snotty attitude to mean girls to uh, I don't want to, um, inter-sibling um, Hostility, hostility? Can we call it inter-sibling hostility, Chrissy? That happens. Um, I mean, right? Sunny, not yours. Your children will be perfect the entire <laughs> way through. They will never argue. But, you know, ours did. Um, I, I don't know. It's. I, I want to say, like, you know, homeschooling will be the cure for all of that because you'll have so much more... Uh, influence on your kids. And the truth is, not quite. Um, I think there are pros and cons to every stage. And on one hand, in middle school, like being up in each other's space all day is a lot, and probably makes some of the battles more intense than if you had a seven hour break. Um, on the other hand, it's right in your face all the time. And so we are going to work through it and fix it. Like yeah. there will not be any escape, which is great because sweeping it under the rug won't ever help. Um, you know, I mean, in middle school, I still control the car and the computer and the phone. And so if you would like to see your friends, because I know that is desperately important to you, then that math will be done, you know, leverage. Yeah, you will stay like, I will drive you to youth group as soon as you show me that essay, stuff yeah. like that. Um, yeah, leverage. Um, and I feel like, it, yeah, oh my, I don't know. I got nothing. I'm on teenager number four and I'm really like, here's what I know. Yeah. Attitude will come out of their mouths or out of their pores. So any child that you can get all the way to sweaty and tired will be nicer the rest of the day to the people they live with. It's not foolproof, but like, amen. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I will say the, on the, the part about the siblings being right there on top of each other and everything. I remember in college, um, there was a, an annual talk at our university and there was this really old fashioned lady that was in charge of all the freshmen and she would come in and have this talk with us. And, um, 
anyway, a spring speech every year and it had a funny name and all this. And anyway, one of the things she talked to us about either in the freshman meeting or that spring meeting, I can't remember, but she talked to us about getting along with each other. And she said, these people are preparing you for marriage. Like the people look to your left, look to your right. Cause she had to sit together as roommates. And she said, you may think they are the craziest. They do the weirdest things and guess what for the rest of your life the people that you live with closely they're gonna you know they're gonna do things weird they're gonna do things a different way than you and I will say I do think that it um they learn to work through those things because we do love each other unconditionally and so there's value in it even if it's hard just know that it is preparing them for future you know relationships with not just in marriage I think but just their boss or their you know whoever all those challenging relationships they'll have in the future I think that that will be um there will be a benefit they will grow from this and even if it's hard on you at the moment it's valuable there's value in it and um yeah so and I think behaviorally um I think that the reading that we do helps me Um, So many times we're talking about a story and it's safe because it's someone else we're talking about. And it's best if these things, um, I'm trying to think of um, the book that takes place in Canada, Broken Blade or Mm -hmm. something like that. And it has the little boy where they're kind of teasing him and putting heavy things in his backpack and it's kind of building up in him. Um, my, I remember that book was really, there's sometimes books that you, that you can find that really address some of the things that they're going through. And you don't say, Hey, this will help you with your horrible attitude, but you just say, right. Oh, this is a great book. I hope you like it. You know? Um, but yeah. also for me, there were books that I would read and I would realize I would recognize myself, um, one of the books in level F that I'm thinking of, there was a mom who was just nagging and she wasn't, you can kind of see, okay, she's getting nowhere by doing this. And that was helpful to me as I was doing laundry one day, I was kind of sinking in what I had just read aloud to them. So there's character um, development happening with the moms and the children as we go through um, and read these books that are safe because they're about someone else but the discussion that you're able to have maybe and um not not bring it it, it maybe a time to bring it you know out where we say directly what how it relates to us but sometimes just to kind of discuss that topic of you know the way people treat each other and that Mm -hmm. type of thing it can be helpful and to build on everything Chrissy just said because I completely agree um the other benefit that I was surprised about in the middle school years was that now the kids are old enough to be really capable of doing chores and, you know, learning to kind of do all the things that as the mom, like, am I the only one who's been doing this job for all these years? Oh my gosh. Um, And so, but, but it wasn't just doing chores or learning to bake or, you know, whatever it's working as a team that they get to be on the same team. Um, even though they're in different grades, even though they have different personalities, even though, you know, the dog has a favorite, like when it comes to mom is sick or grandma is on her way over right now. Um, can you go do that? You, can you go wipe the bathroom and you load the dishwasher and I'm going to vacuum. And if you'll just scoop the cat box, like then we'll be done in 10 minutes. Um, that kind of teamwork, uh, I think used to be really, really common in families and, I think so many of us have gotten away from it that I really worked that to its fullest 
that my kids all learn to grocery shop and to put away groceries and to prepare meals and to plan things and to, you know, do all the different aspects of cleaning the house. And that way, when something needs to be done, I can be like, okay, deploy. And, um, you know, it, it's, it becomes so easy and natural once they hit the right age and then you can do it. Did you find that at all, Christy? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and also, I, I do have conversations with them when, when there's the pestering and when there is the, we're on each other's nerves because we're in a small space, you know, I do allow, okay, you can use the, the, the um, desk in your room or that type of thing at times, but I do come back to, we love each other unconditionally in this family, we love each other unconditionally. And I say that very, and we are a team and yeah. Um, the rest of the world isn't always going to be pulling for you. You know, it's just right. not, but we are pulling but, for you and we're we going are. to pull for yeah. your brother too, you know? Yep. <laughs> yeah. And, and when you, you know, get to the, I mean, I see it in my extended family, like with my mom and her siblings, you know, their parents are gone now and, you know, she and her siblings picked at each other as much as any siblings in the history of the world have ever done. But now they are, 100% the people that they have left. And, and I'm always telling my kids like these, these are your biggest cheerleaders. Never in your whole life are you going to find anybody who loves you the way that we do. And so be nice and stop picking because, you know, you need, you're going to need her on your team. Yeah. Work and, it out. Work right. It out. <laughs> you're out when you're going to play your guitar and when you're going to do whatever, because you don't want to do that at the same time. I, I understand that, but you guys work it out. Have you been spying on my house? And there's <laughs> no, I have this happening daily in my dining room. Yeah. But um, yeah, but no. if they learn to work it out, those are yeah. skills that they can use for the rest of their life. Yes. Being able to work out those kind of conflicts. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think if you've been homeschooling with sunlight, you're used to having conversations with your kids. So I know that I have seen like after, whether it's my kids fighting with each other or one of them kind of pushing back on me, they know enough about like what the right thing is to do that we're able to have discussions after the fact. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, yeah, I can kind of see that glimpse of who they'll be in their adult life that, you know, we we will get through this. And so it may be hard sometimes, you know, right now, and I may want to throw in the towel or they may want to get away from me, but I can see where we've built up that relationship and, you know, we're, we still have it underneath the hormones and the emotions and whatever else is happening. So I think that's important to know. Yeah. And as you can see, we all have our stories. We all experience it. So you are not alone if you're going through that. Um, for the sake of time, we are going to have to go, but I, for anyone watching, I do want to invite you to join us either in the Sunlight app or in our Sunlight Connections Facebook group, where we have so many Sunlight parents, as well as our mentors and advisors, who can give you advice if you are going through a situation and need help, because we've all been there. So we would love to help you with that. Jen, Christy, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate you guys adding your input and giving us so much great advice today. Thank you, Lenny. Thank you for joining us here on the Sunlight Connections podcast. You can also visit Sunlight Curriculum on social media, in our Sunlight app, or at sunlight.com. 
I am Sunny from Sunlight, reminding you to tune in next time.